we just have a word of prayer and we'll dig in. Lord, thank you for your presence with us. And as we look into your word, we just ask that um, you would cause us to be teachable and may your Holy Spirit uh, speak deep within our own hearts things that we need to change, areas where we just need a fresh new vision of who you are in our lives. And so guide us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we started in 1 Peter last Sunday. And 1 Peter, as I mentioned, was written to a church who find themselves as exiles. Or another word you could use is they found themselves as minorities in the world that they lived in. Now, most of these people probably were Roman citizens, and so it's funny to call them exiles. But they're exiles because of their faith in Jesus. And in that sense, they stood out like minorities where they lived. So here we are, about 2,000 years later, And 1 Peter, I find, is still incredibly relevant for the church today. For this very reason, most of you, I assume, carry a Canadian passport, right? Maybe some of you have an American passport too. But you're Canadian. You cheer for Team Canada, right? I think. And, um, you know, but just like the early church, we are the church, believers in Jesus, are like spiritual minorities. 1967 is gone, as we talked about last week. But just as Israel were exiles and minorities in Babylon, just as the early church were exiles, as Peter calls them, in the Roman Empire, it is a reminder to all Christians everywhere that being spiritual exiles, being a minority presence as God's people in this world, isn't something that's actually very new, right? It isn't very new. There's a reason why Peter uses this word, because it's a reminder. The people of God have often been minorities. In most cases, we are. It isn't an anomaly. And so we have to learn to live as God's people, as minorities, But exiles are not without hope. And that's what I want to talk about today. Far from it. The church in Canada does need to be reawakened. It should be our daily prayer. We need a reawakening in the church in Canada. And what we need is a new and fresh vision of, this is where Peter starts, of who we are in Jesus. That's where he starts. Who are we? Who we are in Jesus is so important, especially as minorities in this world, because we often forget. So as we continue in 1 Peter today, what you find here is a vision of who we are. And it speaks about the wonder of being shaped and defined by the hope we have in God through Jesus Christ. So turn in your Bibles. Speaking of my Bible, I left it on my chair here. To 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read the first uh, verses 3 uh, to 6 here. 
So 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 to 6, and then we'll pick up the last few verses later on. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to, have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So in this vision, there is this width, there is this height, there is this depth reminding us as Christians who we are in Jesus Christ. And it reminds me of the Christmas season when, you know what happens is these chocolate boxes come flowing into your house. Everyone thinks you're supposed to give chocolate at Christmas. Have you figured that out yet? Everyone thinks chocolate is the gift to give to everyone. So it comes flooding into our homes. And you don't know what to do about it, so you take the boxes of chocolate and you bring it to church. Someone did that last Sunday, right? Which was great for all of us, right? Because you don't know what to do with it because you're overflowing with chocolate all over the place, right? So as we read these letters, I imagine chocolate. I imagine, you know those chocolate fountains they used to put up at weddings? We did that for one of our weddings anyway, right? And that's this chocolate overflowing. And then you just, you know, eat that chocolate with marshmallows and taste the delight, just overflowing with chocolate. This, this is this vision that Peter is bringing us. It's just overflowing, the depth of flow coming from the riches of God. And it's so sweet. And as you look at this passage, I mean, I don't even know where to begin because every single turn is so rich and so deep and so wide. But we're going to give it a try. Okay? So first point, my remote doesn't work, so I have to get the boys to get me to move to the next one. Okay? Next point. We are minorities, as we talked about. But we have living hope. In God, our Father. That's where he begins. When you're a minority, we struggle with certain things. We struggle with feelings of not fitting in. Feelings of not being wanted by the culture. The early church was that way. In fact, at this period, persecution was just beginning to happen. Because they loved Jesus, they stood out to be different. Peter says in chapter 4, verse 12, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. A little reminder, that's what it means to be minorities. They were probably insulted or mocked because of their faith in Jesus. People thought they were a little strange. Peter speaks about the devil prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to to devour. And so he says, resist him. Stand firm in the faith. 
Peter is boldly and profoundly proclaiming all the reasons, however, in this passage, why you can keep praising God. You, he says, remember, no matter what situation you find yourself in, you have living hope. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Throughout, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so every word here, every phrase here, defines your true identity. And so we have living hope in God because, first of all, God is our merciful Father. God is our merciful Father. So in this rich vision, you have this vision of God as a Father. There is no other faith in the world that considers their God this deep, loving, merciful Father. We take it for granted. We need to embrace that He is our Father. You know, in the parable of the talents, this is Matthew chapter 25, there was the third guy that received the one gift, right? Remember that? The one talent? Do you remember what he did? He buried his talent. And so this is what he explains to his master. He thought his master was harsh, and he was afraid of him. And so like this man, many people view God as simply this harsh taskmaster who enjoys bossing his servants around. As long as this is your view of God, you're going to have a hard time opening up your heart to God, right? Because you think he's a grump. But you know what? We actually demean God if we consider him to be this harsh taskmaster who's always quick to point out your faults. At least that's your view of him, maybe. But we demean God because that is not who our God is. He is this generous, loving father. God is a merciful father, Peter begins his letter, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus told his disciples, in other words, he says, you are my friends. And I want you to consider me your friend. That's pretty deep personal language, wouldn't you say? Right? And so God is this personal, loving father, which makes us, those who have committed themselves to Jesus Christ, children of God. That's an incredible vision. Vision of God as our Father. I mean, do you hear the sweetness of how you are defined by your merciful Father in heaven? Even as minorities, secondly, we have hope because we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So he goes on to say again, in his great mercy, he has given us New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, I always love birth stories. Uh, Kyle and Caitlin, they had their third little one, Maverick. Imagine it's turned their life upside down. They're telling us a few stories. Um, Andrew and Jill, pastor couple from GBS Sexsmith, they just had their first child. 
Uh, we had a meeting with some pastors here the other day, and, and Andrew said the other day, I didn't realize how much work this would be. And all us older fathers just laughed. It was pretty cute. But it was turning their life upside down in a good way. And of course, we're talking about spiritual new birth. And Paul's, or Peter's focus on new birth is actually the goal of new birth. As he says, it leads to living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. He is providing the church, living through hard times, a picture of their future. A future that has already begun. The future has come into the presence and is filled with living hope. You know, in our day, we might be living under a dark cloud of changing values that opposes biblical values. These circumstances can easily demoralize you and demoralize a church. But you and I need to be filled with this beautiful vision of new birth and what it can bring for us. It brings us living hope for the present and for the future. And our hope is grounded in the historic certain reality of the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. As long as we are in Christ, who is alive, by the way, right? We have living hope. Romans 6, 4 says this, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may learn to live a new life. There it is, right? It's all about life and hope. Jesus crushed Satan and death. And now he lives today as our living Lord. And anyone who has committed their lives to Jesus is defined by this new birth, this new identity. October 2011, Associated Press ran a deeply moving story about a name-changing ceremony for girls in Mumbai, India. At birth, the 285 girls had been named Nakusa, Anakushi, which means unwanted in India, in Hindi. The name unwanted is widely given to girls across India where families often value sons more than their daughters. Isn't that sad? As a result, female babies have been aborted or neglected at an alarming rate but here we have this renaming ceremony. And it was an attempt to give the girls a new identity. And so the article continues. The 285 girls wearing their best outfits with barrettes and braids and, and bows in their hair lined up to receive certificates with new names along with a small flower bouquet. Unquote. Some of the girls chose... Names that were positive names, like prosperous, or beautiful, or good, or strong. One of the girls who was named Nakusa by her grandfather was, of course, disappointed that she was a girl at birth. But now, she says, in school, my classmates and friends 
will be calling me by my new name, which makes me very happy. It's a moving story and a really sad story, isn't it? But in this much more important and greater way, if you have committed your life to Jesus, God gives you a new name, a new identity. God is your merciful Father. You are newly born through the Holy Spirit. You are a child of God. And you have a certain future in Jesus Christ. It's the most hopeful, wonderful news. Because this is who you are. This is your identity. Now speaking of the future. Thirdly, we have the hope of a priceless lasting inheritance. Let me read verse 4 to 5 again. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, believers in Jesus Christ are people of the future. Did you know that? We're people of the future. We're people of the future because God has chosen us. Now, the idea of chosen, as we talked about last Sunday, and now we're using, we're, we're taking another word, the word inheritance, is yet another Old Testament word. And when you think of inheritance, it reminds us of Abraham. And he was promised an inheritance, the land of Canaan. Now, in later Old Testament teaching, it was not so much a physical land, but a reward for a godly life, those who were the people of God. That on the future day of judgment and salvation, they will be rewarded. And Peter picks up on this interpretation, and he speaks of a reward in heaven that is kept safe for those who have committed their lives to Christ. And so what we have is this vision of living hope. And so Peter is saying, even though you suffer much and there is no future here for those who are chosen, for those who know Jesus, waits this priceless, imperishable reward in heaven, far greater than the land of Canaan, far greater than anything you can imagine as a great reward for you here on earth. Some days, like the fog that we were fighting with last week or a couple of weeks ago, it's hard to see in front of us, right? Because the downer of society, the fog, so to speak, blinds us sometimes from this hope. We can't imagine the hope of heaven, because we're blinded by life's tough circumstances. But Peter reminds us, but if you are chosen, if you persevere in faith, God will protect you by his power all the way into the future when Jesus returns and salvation will come. Your inheritance will be rewarded. In some cases, some people might lose everything in this world. Everything. That happened to Job for a moment, right? 
even in death. Your reward is kept safe in heaven for you. The world's best security box is heaven. That's where we need to make our investments. Safe from destruction and loss. May that give you hope. Lasting hope. Now another big theme, we can switch slides, is persevering faith. So he talks about this living hope and our identity, but he's wise to talk about persevering faith. Through faith, Peter says, verse 5, we are shielded by God's power. And then he continues in verse 6, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. You believe him, and you are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. So this persevering faith is expressed in several ways. So first of all, be glad. Next slide. Be glad and rejoice even in difficult times. We grow in faith as exiles when we rejoice even when we suffer. We do not stop worshiping and singing the wonders of God when the odds are against us. In fact, we dig deeper. We keep faithing, if that's a word. We keep loving. We keep rejoicing. I was reading a a picture book that uh, I gave to Cheryl for her birthday. And um, it's a book on... I think it's called Abandoned Alberta. So you have these pictures of everything old, right? And uh, one of the pictures was this rusted out interior of an old truck. And the caption that was beside the picture said this, if you don't run, you rust. I think it's a quote from Tom Petty song. In the same way, our faith will start to rust when we stop rejoicing. If you stop running, then you start to rust. We dare not allow circumstances that swirl around us dictate our faith. Faith is simply trusting in the promises of God. If God says, I will give you my power, and he does just say that, right? Peter says that, right? I will empower you. Faith says, yes, Lord, I trust that you will give me your power and strength. And I keep trusting you because I know it gives me living hope. And so keep worshiping Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Keep rejoicing 
Not pretending to rejoice, but really rejoicing even though you're having a bad day. Next point, God uses trials to test and purify our faith. Verse 7a, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire. You know, your genuine faith is far more valuable than the greatest mineral or jewelry or fine product anywhere. Just as fire refines gold and precious metals, trials reinvigorate, trials purify. It deepens your faith. You see, you don't want a faith that just simply goes through the motions, right? That's why the Canadian church struggles so much, because we're going through the emotions. We need a real, genuine faith. That's beyond skin deep. We don't want fake everything, anything. We want something that's real. And it becomes real when we allow these, God to use these tough circumstances to refine us. So the principle is this. So you face trials, whatever it may be. It could be a health issue. It could be an accident. It could be anything. But what trials do... It actually reveals weak spots. Okay? It reveals the weak joints. It reveals things that you haven't quite given up over to Jesus. It reveals your vulnerabilities. That's, that's the beauty of tough times. Uh, we don't really necessarily like it, you know? It's humbling. And so Paul had to wrestle through this, right? And he went through a period of pain, suffering. We don't know what it is. He calls it a thorn in my flesh, right? A messenger of Satan sent to torment me. And he says three times, I asked the Lord to take it away. And we do that all the time, right? We're always throwing up prayers, Lord, just get rid of my problems, get rid of my problems, get rid of my problems. You know, we're always doing that. But then Peter heard from the Lord, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now that sounds so backwards, doesn't it? Completely backwards to the way we think. But there it is. And so Paul, as he writes this, is now convinced So therefore, he says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. (laughs) Wow. So that Christ's power may, may rest on me. So there it is, right? Tough times revealed his flaws, his weaknesses. And then when our spirit is finally open, we recognize that we need God. That's when God can pour his power in you. Why? Because he wants to be glorified. Less of us, more of God. Yes, we do face difficult issues and problems today, but these 
are opportunities to know yourself better, your weaknesses. And then you can experience God's power so that you trust him even more and give him praise. It's about God's power working through you as you allow him to do so. Finally, even though you don't see Jesus in person, keep believing. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5-7, we live by faith, not by sight. So what's really important here is not what we can see, but whom we love and believe in Jesus Christ. You know, what you see can often dictate the way you live. Right? What we see and feel today is often godlessness. What we see is churches losing confidence, and it drags us down, and we feel discouraged. But Peter says, don't let what you see distract you from what is true and real. That you can love him, Jesus, even though you don't see him. And you can believe in Jesus Christ even though you don't see him. But he is as real as it gets. That, my friends, he seems to say, is what brings inexpressible joy. We have the reality of Jesus Christ in the present, in your heart, in your life, even though we don't literally see him. You know, um, I remember vacations when our children were young, and we used to travel in these minivans. And on these long trips, and sometimes long trips with little children prove to be kind of a test. And all along the way, you heard frequent cries from the back seat. Are we there yet? How long till we get there? I'm hungry. I got to go pee. Right? You know, in the same way, it's tough slugging and frustrating sometimes, living as exiles in a godless land. And we're saying the same things as our children. Are we there yet? This doesn't look like the vacation I wanted. I'm hungry. It's difficult to believe when you can't see the destination, right? Or when you don't see Jesus in person. You remember Jesus to Thomas, right? Thomas has got that wonderful reputation as the doubter, but he's just like the rest of us. And finally, he saw Jesus, and but Jesus had to give him a little gentle rebuke. And he says, look, Thomas, because you have seen me, 
you have believed. And I think, I think Jesus is happy for Thomas. I really do, right? Good for you, Thomas. You believe because you have seen me. But then he says this line. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Sometimes it is hard when you can't see your destination. And all you see is this desert for miles upon miles upon miles. But as Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Jesus is real as you can get. You can love him on the way to the destination. Jesus is your destination, actually. You don't have to wait for the coming of Jesus to love him. You don't have to wait for the coming of Jesus to know him and experience joy. We can love him and know his joy because we know Jesus is real and that his promise to make all things new will be fulfilled no matter what happens on this earth. And so we're joined together this life of faith and hope. God says this, but then he challenges you to live by faith. Faith and hope working together. You believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Despite the circumstances that we face. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please move us. Please jolt us. Please wake us up. May we not be discouraged, but find our hope, this living hope, in Jesus. And as we follow you, as we place our faith in you, You promise to give us your joy, living hope. Because we know that you are not dead, but that you are alive, resurrected, our Lord, leading and guiding us, directing and loving his children day by day. And so help us, Lord, to trust you, even when things look down. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Dan. Uh, yeah, just please join us as we sing the closing song. So if you want to